Welcome, everyone, to episode <laughs> 57 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. Nicole's already lost her shit. We haven't even started yet. My name is Patsy the Angry Nerd, and I am joined by Captain Giggles over there, Agent Nicole. What up? That was, uh, that was rehearsed for 45 minutes, that yeah. intro right there. Uh, we are also joined by... Uh, my partner in crime, Miss Ashes von Nightmare. Penis. Sorry, I didn't get to say that during my check, so I just wanted my turn. So penis. All right. Penis. Penis. And uh, we are, of course, joined by the uh, the only person who has not yet missed a show. Everyone's missed at least one except him. Ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Wolfenstein. That's true. You know, uh, I, I haven't been... Well, I... I have been tardy. I was going to say I haven't been, but uh, I can't say that. I can't claim that. I have been late, but I haven't missed any. That's true. That's true. He's the only one who has been here for every single Although show. Although technically, a quarter of the episode, uh, when the power went out, you guys did on your own. Yeah, that's true. When we got bombed uh, at the Rebel base. Yes. Does this mean that Wolfie gets a gold star? Wolfie's going to get a, partici- perfect ad- a perfect <laughs> attendance award? Yes. Participation trophy. <laughs> hey, I'll take it. Well, this week... Uh, in light of recent events, we were going to cover Spider-Man, but uh, as a result of some things that happened over the weekend, we uh, we lost a true horror icon, Mr. George Romero. So we are going to dedicate this episode uh, to talking about Mr. Romero, his films, his characters, and his influences. But we're not going to do it alone. We actually have a couple of guests, and uh, I'm going to introduce them right now. Our first guest is the vulgar guru of horror. The man with the baloney gumdrops that was voted in high school most likely to expose himself on a crowded bus. He has a strict religious set of values that forbids him from having sex in a hotel room or anywhere else. He is the love child of a three-way between Larry Fine, Red Fox, and Estelle Getty. He is the lord of the tuck dance, trick-or-treat radio co-host, and one-time contributor to Horror Hound magazine. Ladies and gentlemen, Monster Zero. Penis. <laughs> oh. Wait a second. Were we still doing mic check over here? Penis, penis. You're checking the wrong Wiener, thing. Away. Penis. Put it away. Okay, I'll put it away. All right. All right. And uh, we have a second guest uh, in studio with us today. He is a man who knows more about Night of the Demons than you know about your family. He has been the special guest referee to nearly all of the Mars Wiley cage matches on Elm Street Kids Movie Club. He is a leader of a shadowy <laughs> criminal organization known as the Backyard Movie Gang and one-time contributor to Fangoria. Ladies and gentlemen, Christopher McGibbon. Donka. So this is, uh, this is the first time you guys are appearing on the show. Although MC- Already regretting it. MZ, oh, you were, no, I've been, I've you been were on the, uh, really? the. I was on one episode. I was a walk on. Yeah, the rocket shock episode. Yeah, I just came in just to take care of something, and uh, oh, next thing I know, I find myself in the middle of a conversation with like, with you three. That's right. That's which right. I don't regret at all, of course. See, and was I appreciate I that. that. You were not there for that. Then it was you two. Yes. Yeah. That was uh, that was the rocket shock episode. Uh, mm. That was uh, one of the first times Nicole was in jail. <laughs> so I remember that well. So, what we like to do, uh, as I was explaining off the air, for folks who are first-time 
I want to say first time guest because I know you've been on before, but it wasn't for an entire episode, MC. Um, what we like to do is a little segment called Getting Into Character, where we get to know a little bit about you by asking some random questions and uh, you know, letting the folks at home uh, peek inside, peek behind the veil, so to speak. So, Agent Nicole, I know you have a couple of questions. Uh, why don't you start off with one of yours? Okay. MZ. Yes. You love food, right? I do. How could you tell? It's those bologna gumdrops. Yes, well, I snack on myself every night. <laughs> what is the most oh, disgusting Somebody's got to. <laughs> somebody's got to do it. I ain't going to snack. It ain't going to snack itself, you know. <laughs> what is the most disgusting thing you've ever eaten? Boogers. I don't know. Uh, that you actually enjoyed. Oh. Most disgusting thing that I've ever eaten that I've actually enjoyed. Um, probably a McDonald's hamburger. <laughs> That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Because you're probably still digesting it. Yeah, yeah. It's rotten away from, from the inside. It's like the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly digesting over a thousand years. Uh, all right. Um, my question is actually for, uh, for Chris. Yes. Chris, what is the most satisfying horror kill you've ever seen? Hmm. Most satisfying. Well, like it could be somebody that you just hated throughout the movie, or just like a particularly good. Uh, I I don't want to do the obvious one from because it's it, it has to do with what we're talking about today. Okay. Um, so I feel like that that would be. But yeah, fuck it, Captain Rhodes when he gets torn in half. That That's, guy was a dick throughout that entire movie, and it's glorious when Bub salutes him and does, he gets torn in half, and he does, you know just walks off into the sunset. That's totally satisfying and gratifying to me. That's fair. MZ, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. Um, one one kill that I've always really appreciated, and I can't really say that it's in a horror film, but it's it, it's definitely in the genre. And I'll never forget it. Uh, in Peter Jackson's Meet the Feebles, uh, when um, Heidi has the uh, machine gun, and she mows down her ex-boyfriend, the walrus Bletch. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, he was just a complete and total ass in the whole movie. You love him, but you hate him at the same time. And when she just finally decides to just get rid of him, I the first time I saw it, I stood up and I actually cheered. And I've never and I never did that before. That's fair. So that's, so definitely that scene. I've not seen that film. I know it's something that's come up uh, on multiple shows, not just ours, but also on. Uh, when I was on Elm Street Kids, I think mm-hmm. you were on that one as well, Chris, talking about you know favorite '80s and '70s horror. Which movie was that? Meet the Feebles. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Mars brought that one up. Yeah, it wasn't I, me. I know if it I, was, I, I've never seen it. If you, if not you, then then Wolfie, you brought it up. Uh, maybe I don't remember. But it's one that's on my list. I haven't seen it yet, but I know it's, you know, it's all the Peter puppets. Jackson's masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. It's it's the one of the bravest pieces of filmmaking I've ever seen. Um, that's Agent his masterpiece. Well, either that or uh, Dead Alive. Okay. It's 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 P- that's Peter Jackson's best film. Is is Meet the Feebles? Okay, I'm gonna. I will all, I will st- stand by that. Agent Nicole, this one is for Chris. It's a three part question. Oh my! If your life became a concept for a film, a what would be the genre? B who would you want to direct it? And C who would play you? Oh my god! Wow, a lifetime movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> I've been through some shit, let me tell you. Um, um, so what, I guess drama? I, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd hope for like a nice romantic comedy, but I'm realistic. So probably like a, like some kind of a com- drama comedy, like Alice Steele Magnolias, something like that, where yeah. like it makes you laugh, then it makes you cry, then it makes you laugh again. Um, then make you cry again. But um, who would I have direct it? Wow, that's that's a good one. I guess I don't know. Um, Gore Verbinski. I don't know why. I, I I feel like he would be gritty at that point too, wouldn't it? Like he's too gr- he's too gritty. I don't, Michael Bay. Michael Bay would be good. Lots of, <laughs> lots of explosions. Lots of, lots of things could explode. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It'd be outside of his comfort zone though. Um, I don't know who I'd have play me. Meredith Baxter Bernie. Fuck, would you? You know what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the fuck Muppet. Yeah. It's probably been in Monster Zero's pants one too many times. Um, oh, there it goes. Going south. I know, probably. right? I mean, I'll meet, I'll meet you later if you want to talk. <laughs> um, but, um, I, I don't... Um, I don't know. I, I, I would think... Uh, what's his name? Joe... Uh, Sophia... Oh. Joe Manganiello. Yes, with that beer going on. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> Have you seen Magic Mike? Oh, he was. He was also in. Um, He's the new uh, Deathstroke. True, true, he was in True Blood. True Blood. Yeah. I didn't watch. I, Hold on. I, I'll get it up for you. Do you think I look like him? I think you He's very hot. So take the compliment. I'm taking like, it. But very I, hot. That's why I'm concerned. He's he's like devastatingly. He's handsome. on the cover of the second oh. Magic Mike movie. Like I, I'd share my old thing behind him. his back. <laughs> like he's shitting his pants. It's weird. Yeah, he's a good looking. Yeah. Oh, we we doing shirtless pictures? Yeah, come on. on. I'd share my Ovaltine and hot chocolate with him. Shit, See, like, I told you, you got you got like the beard going, like the yeah, side he, profile. He going. can play me anytime you want. <laughs> play you in a film, or I don't care. <laughs> All the above. All the above. All right. Well, I don't know how. I still don't know who's going to direct the movie, but whatever. Does it matter? It's still going to be good. You know what? I actually do. Adam Green. Adam Green would do some do some good stuff with that because I'm a horror fan too. So he could get into that aspect. Awesome. Of it. So there we go. Okay. Excellent right, choices. Fair. I got I got some better than Gore Rubinsky. All right. My my question is again for the two of you. Uh, MZ, you can go first on this one though. Okay. What is your least favorite horror movie? Like one that you saw that you were just like, this is absolute shit. But you had to have watched all of it all the right. way through. Uh, pick carefully because I will hit you if you pick what I think you're going to pick. <laughs> fight, 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 fight. Wow. That, I mean, that, that's, that could hit a whole range of movies. Um, you little. Uh, probably. Wow. Wow. That's a hard question to answer. That, that's a question that needs like some thinking about because as soon as I give an answer I'm going to think of one that's even worse than that I know mine right off, right now I know mine right off the top of my yeah, head I can pretty much narrow that shit down well, why don't you go because I got one in mind but I'm almost certain I can think of one that's worse <laughs> okay um, so uh, again not to piggyback on what we're talking about tonight but Day of the Dead 2 Contagion I have that and I've never watched it. Do yourself a favor and don't. I, um, 
you might be actually you know what's more entertaining put that shit in the microwave and just watch the sparks fly I'm serious you'll have a better time it'll take less of your time and it'll be less painful to clean up afterwards that's true because that movie is atrocious from start to finish and I legitimately saw that wanting to give it a chance because like that was pre like everybody reviewing shit before it came out Mm -hmm. and like there wasn't a lot around it there was just a trailer and the only thing I really knew about it was the people who were involved in the original film were not involved at all but I was like well it could be all right. It was fucking awful from start to finish. And that was also the time where I was eating up anything zombie related. So it did, I, I even tried to look at it as like, if this wasn't Day of the Dead 2, would I be this harsh? And I was like, yes, absolutely. This movie is that fucking bad. So that's probably the worst I've ever seen. The worst I've personally seen or wouldn't ever give the time of day again. Like, I just would never watch it again. That or Creepshow 3. Those two, like, go back and forth. For me, it's, it's Birdemic. Well, that's supposed to be bad. That's supposed though. to be bad. I don't I feel know, like, I feel like that's, a, that's, you know. Like they seemed like they were trying in some of that. I don't know. I Except don't, when the oh. birds started exploding. Yeah, I feel like that's making that's really jet that. sounds as they crashed into things. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I think I got one. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, Chud Two, Bud the Chud. Really? That. <laughs> oh, is there gonna be a fight now? I'm not gonna hit him, but I'm. Oh, well, I gotta pull out the knife away from you. Yeah, that's good. Idea. <laughs> yeah, thank no, you. I, I just watched Chud Two recently, and I fucking adored it. I thought oh it was, man, I thought it was so much fun. I thought that movie is just. Awful. I've I seen, know, but I've it's seen, fun. I mean, I've seen b- things with better cinematic value swirling in the toilet. <laughs> Did, you you said a, you said a horror movie, right? Yeah. Okay, I was gonna say Garbage Pail Kids would have been a good one. Garbage Pail Kids is an awesome movie. Don't ever rank on it. Are you? Is he for real right now? Hey, are you I, kidding me? For the past few months, I've been looking for it in stores, and I the, can't find it. Yeah, because nobody fucking wants this it anywhere. This is why they make chocolate and vanilla. That's right. Nope. He's oh. going out the window. <laughs> Listen, you guys differ. You have a lot of different tastes, you know, left and right. So, you know, it's it's fine. You know, it's com- it's a competing thing. That's why we got, you know, different people on the on the panel here. Uh, Agent Nicole, what do you got? All right. This is a question for both of you. You're having a dinner party. Name five individuals, dead or alive, that you would have at your party. Uh, the alive ones. <laughs> yeah, the, the dead, dead ones. The dead ones would be on the table. <laughs> You go first, because okay. I, I, I got to answer my question. Uh, no, your okay. question first last night. Okay. Um, anybody, you're saying, right? Anybody. Anybody. Real or just like... Dead or alive. They're, like, they came back alive, alive for like, No, I mean, party. like, you know, like, characters or, like, actual It doesn't human matter. Beings. It's their individual. Anybody. Okay, okay, okay. I get it. Um, uh, well, let's, well, let's start with somebody real, although dead. Stanley Kubrick. Okay. I like oh, that. Is yeah. that it? She said five. You, you get a party, well, a dinner no, party. You're going to go yeah. back and yeah. forth or not? No, I, I mean I'm. I'll, I'll let him answer all. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm looking up the name of a character right now. I just don't want right. to get screw up her name. Uh, let's see. I would also invite uh, Jay from Jay and Silent Bob. Jason Muse. Yeah, Jason Muse. Well, not Jason Muse. Jay. Oh, okay. The character. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. So essentially, J- Jason Muse. Yeah, ba- yeah, he's the real deal. He, what you see is what you get. He's he's the he's the uh, he's the real thing. Are you serving black tar heroin? <laughs> if I am, I'm not going to have much left after he's done. Um, let's see, uh, Pam Greer. Oh, that's a good one. Classic. I gotta have I gotta have Pam Greer, and with that, I gotta have Quentin Tarantino as well. Yes. And uh, why don't we uh, finish it off with? Um, yeah. Dario Argento. Okay. Great list. Sounds like an interesting party. 
So I would do um, Veronica from Heather's. Yes. I, I would definitely have her over for dinner and some pate. I feel like that would be appropriate. Um, here I go again. George Romero. I mean, that's pretty fucking obvious to anybody who's ever met me. Uh, probably, let's see. I was trying to think about it. Jason Statham, so I got something pretty to look at because we need that. Yeah. Um, you're definitely. And he'd bring comedy, too. He could. Oh, speaking of, probably, you know what? I'd invite The Rock, too, because, I mean, he can be funny and pretty as well. Two pretty things to look at. Uh, and, hmm, I'm trying to think of somebody else that's really like, Alfred Hitchcock. I like that. I would be really interested to hear his thoughts on a lot. Oh, going yeah, on I now, agree. So. Yeah, I would invite, yeah, there we go. That's my, there's my dinner party. It's a sausage fest, but one, one girl, but that's okay. She's good. All right. So I have, uh, one more and this is both for, for both of you. Uh, your favorite horror actor slash actress, and the the favorite role that they played. Ooh. Hmm. Uh, this is gonna take a while. Yeah, that one I have to think about. Well, I figured you know I I do uh, gonna get some like hard hitting, thought provoking questions. Here. I mean, you did. Yeah. So congratulations. Um. First, you got to think about who your favorite is, and then what movie they were in down, that you, made you yeah their whittle favorite. it down from there. That's that's going to take some time to think about. I mean, it, man, because it, it's just it's just like the uh, the worst horror movie that you've ever seen. You know, it's it's but that one I knew right away. <laughs> yeah, but you still didn't even come up with a clear cut answer. You still came up with two <laughs> answers. No, I said Day of the Dead two. I said or Creep Show. I said I could could have said Creep Show three, but. Yeah. Day of the Dead well, but that's Creep- just it. You did say Creep Show three. If he didn't say Creep Show three, it could have. Why did you Day put him next two. to me? <laughs> <laughs> that was your own choice. Yeah. Um. Do you want the knife back? Yes. Oh, fuck the knife. Ow! Hey! 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 I already tied you up once with chains. So yes, doing I know. Again. I know. Chains? Yes. No, I- seriously, he was tied up in chains, yes. and I got to drag him around a garage, and he. Yep. If he did it after today, he would have a lot more marks on him, let me tell you. Um, I, yeah. Uh, I was hoping on all that conversation we might think of something, but I keep, I mean, I keep popping up to to Tom Matthews, but I mean, like, I really only love him in Return of the Living Dead, the mm. first one. And the second one, he kind of phoned it in, and in Friday the 13th Part 6, he's not my favorite in that mm. movie, but... You know, everybody was great in Return of the Living Dead, so I can't really... Man. I don't know who my favorite actor-actress would be. You know, I I can get one. It's it's typical, but I'll run with it. Linnea Quigley in Return of the Living Dead. That's a good call. Yeah, I mean, because I I really can't... I mean, I know she's not the greatest actress ever, but she always gave it 110%. Always, yeah. And every movie she's in, she always kind of adds a little bit of class to it. And so even when she's, you know, bearing her breasts, like, it just (laughs) seems like she's doing it because it's necessary. She never did nudity just because, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? There was a point to it all. I just remember that one scene in, I think it was Night of the Demons, where she's putting the... Lipstick in her boot? Yep, that's... You said her name. I was like, that's all I could think of. Everybody remembers that scene, but there was a point to that. No, I totally agree, yeah. Do you guys have sour balls? Yeah. Guess you don't get many blowjobs then. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, first of all, if you're going to quote the movie, get it right. Like, you you know, there's no then in that line. 
Too bad, I guess you don't get many blowjobs. All right, That's see, the I've only seen it twice. I haven't okay. seen it What? You've only seen that movie twice? And the second time technically didn't count because it, it was at a New Year's Eve party and everybody was talking over it, which was uh, ac- acceptable because it was a yeah. party. But what's, yeah, Chris, what's funny about that party was, and I noticed this even, I think Kevin commented on it, when that movie started, the shit started hitting the fan, everybody got quiet yeah. and started watching that movie and started going, what, what the hell's going on? Like, what is this? And I was like... Oh, it's about to be midnight. We got to turn this off and watch the ball drop. I was like, "No, it's the best part!" <laughs> like she's about to dance. You can't turn it off now. And then when the ball dropped, the movie did too. Nobody else was paying attention. <laughs> I was paying attention to it. Well, I mean, everyone else started talking again, which is great. You know, it's a party movie, so it's totally fine. Yeah, yeah you know, I think I'm going to go a little bit Christmas. more classic uh, because he is my favorite. I, now that I think about it, you know, he is my favorite. I, I do love Vincent Price. And, oh, fuck, uh, y- yeah. you know, I really dig him in the abominable Dr. Fibes. He is just, he just brings it in that movie, man. He's just fucking awesome in that movie. I love him in Comedy of Terrors. Have you ever seen that? Yes. With Peter Lore? Yes. That's one of my favorite movies. He was, it, it proved he could do comedy and horror in the same movie and do it so well. Such a versatile actor. God damn you, I fucking hate you right now. <laughs> Ashes, do you have any questions to ask? Penis. Yes, I do. Thank you. No, thanks. Got one. Um, so, are you sure? I, I am. Ashes. I can I, I concur. Like I, I can I can like vouch for that. Like okay. he's definitely got one. Right. You know what one looks like, right? Like I said, <laughs> he's definitely got one. I just want to make sure that we're clear on what, on what it looked. You know. You took anatomy in high, high school, like sex ed? I used to be a whore, so I know what one looks oh like. Oh, my so, goodness. You know. I didn't want to go that far. Well, <laughs> you asked. <laughs> Going back to You're the You're the one, like, you know, hammering the question. Are you sure? Well, you yeah. know, some people don't know what penises look like. I want to be sure. I've been around the block quite a few times. So, uh, yes, you, I'm very well versed in the peni department. Look at you dating a former whore. Do you, do you, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Dating, he's married to her. Well, we were Wait, hold up. Is there yeah. more knives in this box? <laughs> you know, the, there's I, lots. I just, I just got tired. That's all. I was like, you know what? Enough he's enough. nice. He buys me shit. Time to time to hang up the boots. You know. <laughs> she occasionally uses the boots, brings them out. You, you know, know, the first person I ever kissed was a male, former male hooker. Really? Really? I'm not. I, I really wish I was exaggerating, but I'm not. Was wow. it worth like? Did, wait, first of all, did you have to pay for it? No, no. He was oh, well, former. That's good. He was former, former, so he okay. wasn't. He wasn't in practice anymore. He wasn't like older or anything like that. He was actually only like two years older than me. But did you I learn g- anything? I was so fucking nervous that I didn't. Aww. I didn't give a shit. Like I was just because I never kissed anybody before, so I was yeah. like, okay. And I Aww. and actually, funny enough, we were watching Night of the Demons that night. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course you were. And Shaun of the Dead followed after, and he wanted to pay attention to both movies and i was See, like i'm right here Shaun of the dead we we had been talking about Shaun of the dead and uh, i think everybody the knows the story and we i don't uh, i brought Shaun of the dead over to her house we got about halfway through it uh a couple of times we got about halfway through it a couple it took yeah it, it took many years for us to get through the entire movie wow yeah so I danced with a hooker with a broken leg once. <laughs> I did. Who had nice. the broken leg? Nice. She did. Oh, okay. She did had the she broken work at leg. IHOP? What's <laughs> <laughs> her name, Eileen? <laughs> did you sing the, the song to her later? No, no. No, no come on, Eileen? No, no. <laughs> 
So, <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, we're starting to get off track a little bit. Wait, does she work at IHOP, Patrick? Nicole just asked her that. <laughs> Somebody's not paying attention. <laughs> oh, I'm not. <laughs> Sorry. He's trying to tune out as much as he possibly can. I can't say I blame him. I don't blame him. him. <laughs> I heard penis three times and I tuned out. That's what so like that out? early? <laughs> Before we even it took your third time. The third time. <laughs> third time's a charm. It's like he's saying, like it's penis. Like saying, ah, it's like saying Beetlejuice three times instead of <laughs> him appearing. You say penis three times, he disappears. Penis juice. <laughs> penis juice. Penis juice. Yeah. Oh, oh no, that's that's no. That's disgusting. <laughs> oh, okay. All of a sudden, I've crossed <laughs> the line. <laughs> yes. Big fucking surprise. Patrick was the first one to do it. It's uh, showtime. Uh, so. Yeah, what what we uh, we were planning on talking about, uh, you know, after we we got our uh, our intros out of the way, uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about before we got into the the, the meat of the conversation, so to speak, is uh, what got you into Romero, and you know, what's your your favorite zombie? It doesn't have to be a Romero zombie. It could be like, what's your what's your favorite? What? Do we maybe want to take a break first? Well, kind of cool off from the second half and then kind of revisit this when we get back. Give us everybody a chance to kind of, you know, think about, you know, what's your favorite Romero? Well, I was I was I was would you getting to that. Okay. I was going to It didn't seem like you were. Well, no, I was going to kind of plant the seed and then say, you know, let's let's take a break and give everybody a chance to think about this. Sp- speaking of seed, the first thing I see when I look to my right is something about zombie spooge. What the fuck is that all about? Oh, that was from uh, the Jesse chat room. Uh, I don't know who Jesse is, but I'll answer. For Sorry, him. that was uh, <laughs> that was from Trick or Treat Radio last week. The chat room. Uh, that's all I see is the. It's the only thing I can. I look over and it's a blast of zombie spooge, and I'm like, how appropriate for the conversations we've been having. <laughs> maybe someone's listening. That's entirely possible. <coughs> yeah, maybe someone is listening. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that being said, like I said, we'll we'll think about you know what got us into Romero. What you know. Our favorite zombie again. It doesn't have to be specifically a uh, you know a Romero zombie because there are a lot of really good ones that uh, have surfaced over the years. And uh, you know we're going to kind of talk about the evolution of Romero zombies, starting from Night of the Living Dead and going through. Now I know Chris refers to it as a trilogy, and a lot of people refer to it as just a trilogy. But I actually enjoy Land of the Dead as well. Oh, it's not because I don't enjoy Land of the Dead. Oh, okay. It, that, that has nothing to do with it. I will explain my breaking up of those six movies when we get into the nitty-gritty. Sounds good. So uh, let's take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, let's talk some fucking zombies. Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and Trick or Treat Radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany. <laughs> it's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Lohan. If I had genitals, I would definitely 
actually bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action. It had suspense. It had great characters. It had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey short. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The box, right? The box and the monkey. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and TrickOrTreatRadio.com. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series, and you are listening to Throwdown Thursday on the Grand Guineal Network. And we have returned, and we are living and not dead, so I don't know, maybe there's something something you can do with that. So, like we said before the break, what we're going to do is we're going to go around the table and we're going to talk about, you know, kind of what what got us into Romero and his films and, like, what kind of uh, zombies we like. So, uh, let's start with... Uh, Agent Nicole, what kind of zombies do you like? You're such a dick. Always me. Always me going first. Alphabetical order. A for agent. You're such a dick. Um, the first time I've ever seen a George Romero film, I was actually four years old. <laughs> Don't I, laugh. That's how old I was when I saw my I, Axel, I When I was a kid, I loved Spaceballs, so I was trying to find Spaceballs, the movie, and I accidentally pulled out the 19, I want to say 1986, is there, no, 1968, sorry, 1968, Night of the Living Dead. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to watch it. And Sounds like a common mistake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, halfway through, I just stopped and I just walked away from the television. Did you realize then it wasn't Spaceballs? Yep. I was like, uh, waiting for, I was waiting for something to happen and I was just like, you know, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Why does Mel Brooks look like a black guy? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Little Nicole had a mouth on her, apparently. Mm. Oh, I did. I did. There's no lie about that. I did. And I was just like, uh, my dad's behind me watching me watch Night of the Living Dead and just starts laughing. <laughs> Like, I can't believe my little child's watching this shit. I'm not going to stop her. I'm going to see what happens next. And so I didn't watch it after that for like 10 years. So four, So I was 14 when I actually finished watching it. So a few weeks ago. Yes. So a few weeks ago. And um, since then, I really, I'm not a huge horror fan, but I'm like starting to, you know, re- like respect it and understand it more. And so that's the only one that I've ever experience of George Romero. I would honestly say that you are the cinematic opposite of Monster Zero here. Because, <laughs> like... Joyless. Well, when it comes to, like, you know, like, really excessive blood and gore, that's not her thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Are you in for a treat on Saturday? <laughs> yes! Um, <clears throat> so, what about your, your favorite zombies? Did you have one from the movie, or is there maybe some other... Uh, zombie centric thing that you like i like the zombies or the white walkers of game of thrones i like the zombies and shot of the dead and 
I know this is probably like the least zombie film, but uh, Warm Bodies. I really like the zombies in there. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you like R? Is that the one you liked? Was R? Yeah. I liked his friend. Rob Corddry? I love Rob Corddry. Yeah, I loved his friend. I, I, but that part where like he's all depressed because of the girl leaving, he just yeah. goes, Bitches, man. <laughs> like, yeah. All right, I'm into this. I love Rob Corddry in general, so the, he was great in that film. And when he well. throws the zombie and the guys comes to save him, he goes hi, and like that's all. Yeah, it's just, just adorable. I want to hug him. Yep. Yeah, she's. How about you? So my first exposure to uh, a George Romero film was actually my senior year in high school. I was taking a mass media course. Uh, this was back in like 2002, 2003. So. A long time ago, but not that long. Um, uh, we watched a lot of fantastic movies in that class, like The Graduate and uh, Singing in the Rain. Um, and we were doing kind of like a classic horror mini bit in class. And we watched the 1968 Night of the Living Dead. And I was kind of a... Um, I knew I liked horror, but at that time I didn't have a lot of exposure to it because... I think I've mentioned on the show before, I had very conservative parents, so I kind of had to tiptoe um, and, you know, uh, find ways to watch certain things that I was interested in. So it was, I, I thought it was fantastic. Um, uh, the practical effects were just amazing. I thought that the, just the whole uh, use of the zombies and stuff and just the overall aesthetic of the film was just so well done and I'm a I'm a fan of classic movies anyways and so it just it had that classic movie feel to it obviously I love that it was shot in black and white but I, I it was it was scary but not like oh, scary but you know it, I felt like it, it got the job done especially you know for for that time and uh, my favorite zombie um <laughs> Well, my favorite zombie is a little fuzzy one that lives at our house. That's true. We have we have a cat named Princess Zombie Cakes, but we call her zombie. Um, it's shorter. I can no, dig it. I, I think um, my favorite zombie, uh, a couple of things. Uh, being a child of the 80s, I'm sure Patrick can attest to this. My favorite zombie is Michael Jackson in Thriller. Now I have to pick a different one. So, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going two routes. I figured you were going to choose that one, so I'm just yep. mentioning it. I'm going to let you talk about it. But, man, like, Michael Jackson as a zombie with the Vincent Price voiceover, just amazing. Um, but kind of going a more current route, I'm a fan of the show iZombie, and I really like the way that they are portraying zombies in that show. They um, have a mini zombie outbreak, a zombie apocalypse that's kind of brewing, and these zombies don't want to be seen as zombies, so they try to mask themselves as normal humans. They get spray tans and dye their hair and try to look like they're not falling apart and, you know, consuming brains and stuff. But if if they're, they, they don't keep their bloodlust, their hunger for brains satisfied, they go what they call full-on Romero and go full-on zombie mode and just turn into these, like, raging, bloodlust, just <coughs> ripping you apart, just crazy manic machines and like they kind of lose every 
part of them being human. So if they can keep themselves in check by eating brains and kind of keeping themselves almost like in human mode, they can retain their memories and they can still kind of fit into society, still kind of being human, but still be, you know, they're, they're technically zombies. They don't have a pulse. So they are dead. Um, but if not, they go into, like I said, full-on Romero mode. They kind of turn into this classic zombie type where they just rip people to shreds and just crave brains. And I just think it's a really interesting, um, not only homage to the classic zombie, but a really interesting and refreshing take on like a, like, like a new zombie type thing. So, Yeah, that's definitely something that hasn't been explored that I'm aware of. I'm about to rock your world. Well, I figured you're gonna you're gonna be next. So well, no, there's a actually I was just gonna tell you there's a movie called The Returned that you should definitely see. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the marketing for that movie made it look like an atypical zombie movie, and it's anything but. It's a drama that is very much the same where people who are zombies have to take a drug every day, and it's actually kind of very relevant now because at one point in the movie, the government decides to take that drug away and let all these people become zombies so they can kill them off because there's such a way on society and everybody's finances and everything like that. The elite, like upper class, wants to just wipe them out. So if they become zombie, they have to be destroyed because there's no turning back. So it's like preventing the virus from taking over. Right. And it's there's this couple in the movie that the guy is a zombie and she's human and they're trying to get him the drug he needs and to go to the black market. It's a really well-made film, but it's marketed as a straightforward horror film and it's not. So I would definitely recommend checking that one out because it sounds very close to what iZombie does. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. It's called really The Return. Yeah. So it's uh, it's your turn, Chris. What would uh, what was your introduction to Romero, and who's your? Uh, I know who your favorite zombie is. So oh, it's all too obvious, really. Um, my um, my introduction to Romero was same age as Agent Nicole. I was four, but it was actually on purpose. It wasn't by accident. Um, my aunt, for whatever reason, bought me a copy of Day of the Dead on VHS for my birthday, and a tube of fake blood. Where she got fake blood in March. <laughs> I still don't know, and I I never under I never asked her why that movie and why did she buy that one or what about it stuck out to her. My assumption was it was in like a because it was like an EP budget tape. It was probably like five dollars or six bucks or something in a bin at Ames. So she grabbed it and didn't, yeah didn't like think much about what it was or anything like that. And just I was into horror stuff, but I hadn't really seen a horror movie that I could remember. And I watched Day of the Dead, and from that point on, I was hooked on zombies, and I was hooked on horror. And so that movie opened the floodgates for me altogether, as far as just being a horror fan or a zombie fan. So I owe a lot to George Romero and that movie. I mean, I wouldn't... There's a lot in my life that's happened because of my affinity for the horror genre. Um, So with that being said, Bub is my favorite zombie. Um, And again, it seems like such an obvious answer, but when I was a kid, I was terrified of our basement. And the only reason I wasn't scared anymore was because, like any kid that's, you know, kind of awkward, I had an imaginary friend, and it was Bub. Nice. And Bub used to go into the basement with me and keep me, you know, keep the really bad shit away because Bub was awesome. Bub never did any wrong in that movie. You know, I I mean, even as I said earlier, when Captain Rhodes is getting torn apart, he just walks off into the sunset. And I love that when he salutes him and he, you know, just, just, it's just, it's so poetic. And when he mourns the, the death of his father, yes, you know, it's just like, oh my God, like you just feel so bad for him. So once he gets his revenge and starts shooting his gun and hunts roads down, it's so satisfying. And I love Bub. MZ? 
Well, uh, when I first... The, the first uh, Romero film that I ever saw was, of course, Night. And um, I don't remember how old I was. Let's see. I got my, I got my... Let's see. We got our first VCR when I was like 15. So it was around like 1985. 14. So it was around 1985. And uh, let's see. I know I rented out Night of the Living Dead. But, and uh, But what I did is that I rented out the color version because at that point I was not really appreciative of black and white filmmaking you know I, w- I was raised on color everything you know so you know I got a colorized version of not of the living dead and uh, I remember watching it and I remember loving it and uh, and then um, I also remembered this would probably look a whole lot better if it wasn't colorized so uh after some time, you know, I went back, rented out the black and white version and uh loved it even more. Even you know, it's grainy copy, you know, mm-hmm. fuzzy, you know, static lines and shit, you know, it it just it, it looked horrible, but the movie still re- retained that that visceral impact that even the color version had. Even uh, even though the color version kind of took away some of it, you could tell that there was really something going on here with the with the uh black and white version so i watched that and of course i loved it and uh been a romero film ever since uh film fan ever since and uh and uh, you know for the longest time his films have been fantastic you know i mean creep show and dawn day the crazy the, the crazies is probably one of the last ones that i hunted down for his you know of his earlier work and it's and that's an, that's another fantastic. I guess you could say it's a in a terms of zombie film. Yeah. Um, now, as far as my favorite zombies go, uh, my favorite Romero zombie is the butcher zombie in Land of the Dead. Yes. I just I just love that zombie. Uh, he he looks great. He looks fantastic when he's coming out of the water. He just looks like he's his skin is melting off of him and shit and. Not to mention the fact he's got that cleaver. Now, I mean, there are other zombies that have used weapons, but they're usually blunt weapons. You know, a piece of wood or a branch or, uh, you know... Somebody's uh, arm. Or somebody's arm or a brick or something, you know. Or a handgun. Well, see, the ha- or a handgun, true. But uh, I appreciate the cleaver because... The, it's, it's like a blunt weapon, except it's sharp. You know, it's got a blade, and he could just swing around and just like cut somebody's head that's off. How really, they got through the fence. Exactly, and and um, as far as you know, the the gun that Big Daddy uses, or or the the gun that Bub uses. I wasn't thinking about Big Daddy. Oh, I know, I know. I'm in that land of the dead aesthetic right now, and uh, you, you know, there's the thing that we got to make. You know, in order for the zombie to activate the gun. Got to make sure it's loaded. Got to make sure that the safety's off, you know, and may, and also be able to be able to put his finger into the tr- into the trigger, you know, and and Which do they, what needs to be done. They both so managed to do very well. Yeah, yes, they did. I, I agree. But there's but there's still that there's still there's there's still a road where in which you know there's still a a bunch of instructions that they have to do in order for them to to activate the weapon. The butcher zombie 
with the, with the cleaver. All, I mean, that's a deadly weapon in and of itself. And all he has to do is just swing around. He could. He doesn't have to uh, overthink anything or think at all. He could Which just is sw- good. Right, right. It, it, it simplifies things. Now, if I remember correctly, that's the same guy who was in uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's he also was the, uh, he was the one with the truck driver hat. If I'm yeah, he broke he broke his legs right, jumping yeah. into the sewer. Right. He's also got the brief uh, cameo in Diary of the Dead as well yeah. as a weapon stealer. And oh, he was also he was also in Jason X as well. Yeah. And the thing about the gun thing too is, um, Bub actually loads the gun in Day of the Dead because mm-hmm. if you remember the scene when he finds it, the clips are on the ground, not in the gun. So mm-hmm. he manages to get that done despite it taking some effort, but. Yeah, and he did it in the demonstration as well. And what's amazing is he got that gun loaded, but both soldiers trying to shoot at him couldn't. Just yeah, throwing no, that out figure. there. <laughs> well, he was a lot calmer than they were. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So he, he was already dead. He really had nothing to lose. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and my favorite non-Romero zombie is, of course, I do love uh, uh, from Lucio Fulci's zombie. I saw that the, one uh, mm-hmm. away. <laughs> I love that one. Uh, the, uh, I could have named it for him. Worm, isn't it? Is worm Eye. Worm, worm Eye. Something like that? Yeah, Worm Eye Zombie. Not the most original name, but it's a name. It, it, it's apropos. You know, it, it works. works. No, it works. No, it definitely works. You know. Let's think it's a bad name, just saying, you know. Yeah, I mean, sometimes the, the best names of zombies are the ones that are descriptive of it. Right. Um, so, for me, it's weird. Like, I didn't see my first Romero zombie film until I was in my late 20s. Like, Ashley and I were actually dating. Uh, and I watched Night of the Living Dead for the first time. Um, and I didn't think much of it at the time. But, you know, I had seen lots of other zombie stuff. Like, when I was younger in my 20s... Um, I worked with somebody who was a, a huge zombie fan, and he's like, oh, have you seen this movie? Have you seen that movie? And I saw a bunch of uh, Lucio Fulci stuff, you know, like Zombie, Zombie 3, which was amazing. Oh, you know, God, I remember reading great. about how Fulci said the, the head leaping out of the, the, the refrigerator was like the cleverest thing he ever, he ever did. Amazing is a, is a good word for it. Yeah, um, surely. That scene in... Uh, in the, the, the first I know it's technically Zombie Two over here. No, it's Zombie over here. It's Zombie Two in it. Zombie Two. Okay, all right. I always get that. Yeah, swap. they should have just released the Zombie Flesh Eaters across the world because right. that would have made more sense. Mm. It would have had less titles. There it is, right there. Yep. The uh, yeah, that's like the end of the the end of the film. Yeah. The uh, which is ironic now because you consider how miffed people get about spoilers and fucking hey, that's the poster for the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like it's the uh, the scene where. The doctor's wife is there, and the zombie reaches through the closet, and he's pulling her towards the the, the yep. jagged piece of wood. Yep. And then it like zooms in on the wood, then her eye, and the wood, then her eye, and like it gives you that payoff of going in there. But you know, obviously, my first exposure to zombies was Thriller by Michael Jackson. You know, that's exposure. Um, but um, but yeah, my first exposure to R- Romero was in in my late twenties, and since then I've watched all the movies you know um i have not seen diary of the dead but i've seen the other five um the first four i've seen many many times but the last two like i said i've seen one of them seen survival of the dead once i've seen diary of the dead zero times 
but my my favorite zombie, it's a tie because I remember seeing this when I was younger. I didn't see the whole film, but I remember the Tar Man. Uh, like that was a good one because that one was just absolutely terrifying. Like he's this gross monster, but he's got perfectly white teeth. Mm. Uh, it's amazing what an impact that zombie has, considering he's maybe in the movie for a grand total of a minute. Yeah, you know, Mun- he, well, he really leaves a lasting impact. Yeah, it's it's the look and the fact that he starts munching on that dude's head like right away. Yeah. I was gonna say, like, wasn't that the first movie where zombies actually craved brains? Yes, specifically? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was the first one. Yeah, and they, they were more intelligent in this one. Well, yeah, they, they were trying... Dan O'Bannon's, Said more paramedics. Um, yeah, Dan O'Bannon's <laughs> goal with that whole movie was to separate it as much as possible from George Romero's movies because that movie was originally written as a direct sequel to Night of the Living Dead. That movie had a very convoluted production history. That movie was supposed to be made in 1983 and directed by Toby Hooper in 3D. Yeah. And wow. at some point, they nixed that whole idea and Dan O'Bannon came in and he basically said, I'll direct it, but I need to write the script for it and he rewrote the entire thing which pissed off the original writer who was actually the original producer and writer of the original night of the living dead john russo he didn't think it was going to work at all and he just said that this is they're 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 too smart they're fast they're talking this isn't what zombies do unkillable yeah and he um and i mean it was one of the it wasn't one of the top 10 grossing horror films of 1985 like it was a surprise hit for everybody involved (laughs) oh it'd have to be Um, because i think around that time that's when the um the MPAA started cracking down on gore and violence in, in yeah. horror films. They didn't really crack down on that one too, too much. I think it was a couple of blood no, they sprays let it go. they had to kind of Well, I mean, the, the, the nudity in that, too, was weird. Like, the whole Linnea Quigley thing where she was going full frontal and they're like, no, you can't show pubic hair. So she shaved it all off. And they're like, no, that looks even worse. So then yeah. she put on the prosthetic, <laughs> the prosthetic and they're like, yeah, the Barbie piece. that looks even worse. Can you imagine yeah. how, how it was for a six-year-old me thinking that's what it looks like? <laughs> <laughs> like no wonder you're gay. <laughs> no, no, I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's not appealing at all. Yeah. <laughs> looks like it's sticking its tongue out at me. No, it, it was flat. <laughs> like there was nothing there. It just, it looked like, it looked like something was tucked in. Like that's what it, <laughs> I don't know. I played with my own dick, and that's great. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. When I first saw that Linnea Quigley scene, I'm like, "There's something missing." I've seen. I've. I mean, I've seen enough Playboys <laughs> to know <laughs> that something should be there, but it, it's not supposed to be there. It's not like the other. Exactly. It's like. Have I been so, lied to? I know. You, what you, is Linnea quickly in a Barbie doll? You know what's funny about that whole thing, though, is um, the <laughs> way they, they, they even said the, the way thing. they shot that, they probably could have gotten away with it. And one of the things that the producers in Night of the Demons thought was going to be a big issue was the, the, the nipple and the one shot where she lifts up her dress and shows her uh, you know, yeah. herself exposed. Yep, yep. The MPAA didn't even blink at that stuff. They were just kind of like, okay, whatever. It's, and I'm just like, so I'm sitting there going, like, in Return of the Living Dead, they probably could have gotten away with it and not had to have done that to her because that piece, she said, that's why she doesn't like to do special effects makeup because that piece got stuck to certain areas and it was really painful to get off. Oh. So she has oh. always eluded special effects makeup as a result of that experience because the guy they hired, unfortunately, was not overly capable of delivering what they wanted and you know unfortunately that meant that they got and what did she do two years later she ends up marrying a special effects artist that's because he loved her breasts he said she had perfect breasts and they just started dating everybody would be saying that (laughs) but if you if you notice in that movie there's several scenes where she's possessed with no makeup and most of that was like her just trying to get out of being in the makeup that run judy run line was supposed to be her all demonized and she was like oh it'd be so much scarier if i wasn't a demon and they ran with it i think it worked fine yeah yeah so 
So use this trivia. Use it as you wish. My, uh, I was gonna say, you know, the Tar Man is is definitely up there, but I gotta go. Michael Jackson's my favorite zombie of all time. Like the Rick Baker makeup, um, he did such a great job with all of the zombies in that in that uh, in that short film. We'll call it because it's yeah. not really a music video. It's friggin' twenty minutes film. long. Yeah. Fourteen. Who's counting that? Yeah, I was rounding up. So. Now, like I said, we're going to talk a little more about the evolution of the uh, the zombies because basically, and you know, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but the double, You're wrong. The double trilogy of these movies basically tells one long narrative. Sort of. Um, like we kind of see, you know, from Night of the Living Dead to Dawn of the Dead to Day right. of the Dead, like how society and the zombies themselves are revolving. I, I think night and dawn in terms of time are closer together than they are in real time, if that makes any sense. Like yeah. I, I feel like that dawn is dawn is picking time. up right where night left off, not ten years later kind of a deal thing. Right. And it still makes sense in that timeline. Obviously day is many years later where things have really gone to shit and it's it's all gone to hell from that point and now there's we think nothing left but these scientists and these soldiers who are just pissed off at Isolated each other. Isolated pockets uh, around yeah, the country. If that, if there's even any other people. Um so, I, I, yeah, I mean, it certainly was an evolution, but, I mean, you have to remember when they, George Romero and Co. made Night of the Living Dead, they were ghouls. They weren't zombies. They didn't know they were making a zombie movie. People just started calling them zombies, and George Romero ran with it. It's like, okay, I guess they're zombies. Like, that kind of makes sense. We'll just go with it. And so he inadvertently created a subgenre that he had no, like, the, you know, that it was a mistake, essentially. Like, there was no intent to create a subgenre of we're going to use these creatures and everyone's going to run with it and use them. Because the, the Hollywood zombie before Night of the Living Dead was a voodoo, you know, cursed living person who like appeared the dead. Type yeah. thing. The old yeah. Val Luton films from right. the 1940s. Or like White Zombie, which is, I think, it's the first yep. zombie movie ever yeah, made. With, with was that, 32? 32. Something like that, yeah. And, um, you know, and so, you know, th- as soon as Night of the Living Dead came out, it was a huge drive-in hit, and critics seemed to really like it. it w- and it was this independent black and white... <laughs> Like you said, at that time, color was a big deal. So it being in black and white to everybody, I was like, really? Black and white? But then they saw it. Like, oh, my God, this is terrifying. And the knockoffs just came one after the other after the other. I mean, children shouldn't play with dead things. Um, let sleeping corpses lie. There was, uh, those people all said the same thing. We're, they saw Night of the Living Dead, and we're going to rip this off. You know, and that's essentially what that genre sort of spiraled into and has sort of cascaded from. And there were all these people... Like, Messiah of Evil was released as Return of the Living Dead, which made no sense. Yeah. You know, it was marketed as a sequel in some territories, and it wasn't a, obviously it wasn't a sequel. Yeah. Um, so, th- you know, there were more than a handful of people who wanted to capitalize on this Living Dead thing and, you know, ran with it. But, yeah, there's definitely a progression throughout the movies of the way the zombies are. Because I think at night, again, they just didn't know what they were and what they were doing, and they kind of had this new thing. And I think by the time Dawn came around, they had a better... He had a better grasp of what he wanted to do with them and what they were for. And it's also, like, you get to see, um, you know, I know what you're saying about the first one, but, like, it it seems like Romero was like, okay, you know, if we're going to do this and we're going to, you know, make sequels to it, it's like the first one is, you know, the very beginning of the outbreak. Right. Like, that's why, you know, all the corpses are still kind of fresh. You know, they don't Mm -hmm. really have any, like, real damage to them. And even in... in, uh, uh, Dawn of the Dead, like there were there were some that were you know kind of beat up, but there were a lot of still fresh ones, right? You know, which you know comes into what you were saying, where it, 
chronologically the movies take place much closer. To I the feel like that's the act. case, yeah. Because it still seems to me that, like, in the first one, you know, humans are... There's way more humans than zombies. Right, the and they're controlling one, the situation almost. And the second one, it's starting to get a little closer. Yeah. And then in the third one, it's, it's not even it's, close. Yeah, it's just completely it's off. It's like, it's the opposite of the first film. And um, you see more of these, like, weird zombies, like the opening of... of uh, Day. Of, of Day of the Dead when they walk it out and the guy comes out and his tongue falls out of his yeah, head. the like, doctor tongue. That shit's awesome. Yeah. And uh, actually, Savini was pissed at that scene because they underlit it. So every Blu-ray incarnation of that film, they've actually tried to brighten it up to show it. Because if you ever saw the movie on VHS, it was like a black yeah. void that you saw. You saw something moving, but you didn't see much. And the same thing if you see it in theaters. It's it's so underlit. They didn't light it properly, and that pissed him off because he worked, you know, you worked hard on the effects and right. something just doesn't register on screen. But um, I, I want to say that like it, it's a progression, and that's the reason the zombies look the way they do. It, it was budget. If he could have done like rotten, crusty corpses and gotten away with it, I think he would have. And that's why they ran with recently dead because you don't need to do very much in the first movie, but throw maybe a couple of you know a gash on one or like you know something on the other and just you know black circles, like chest on the wounds eyes. and shit, something like that. like that. Yeah, something like that. So they pretty much just kind of like okay, we don't have to do very much. We're shooting in black and white, so. Let's just enhance what's already there. Marilyn Eastman did a lot of the makeup on that, and she said she really had no business doing it. They used mortician's wax, and they basically just enhanced what was there. Somebody had like really deep cheekbones; they made them deeper yeah, yeah. and, and shadowed them up, about, yeah. and everything like that. So you know, it wasn't like they went and again with a specific look in mind. They were just like, "Well, they're dead." So kind of looked like Lurch from uh, yeah. There's the a couple Adam's of family. them. Um, and then by the time Dawn came around, I, I think just so many people wanted to be zombies. And you got to remember, it was just Tom Savini and one other person doing the effects most days in that movie. I think there was like one week where he had a crew, and then they, that's all they could afford. And that's where a lot of the heavy effects stuff came into play. So all he could do was paint them gray. And that's it. Because you needed to get 300 extras painted in a couple of hours or made up in a couple of hours. You might get one person who can focus on something for a little bit, but you can't spend more than 15 minutes on the rest. So that means everybody's running around with just gray makeup on, and you know, and that's all they could. That's all they could do. And that's you see that a lot in um, in films of that time. Like the, the Planet of the Apes films went through the exact same thing. Yeah. Like in the first film, like everybody had makeup by like the fifth one. It was like Roddy McDowell, and then like everybody else just had an ape mask that they bought at like Walgreens. Right. <laughs> and by and by the time Day of the Dead came around, I think they, you know, that was a the budget was three three million dollars. Dawn of the Dead was a hundred thousand, I think. No, five hundred thousand, and Night was a hundred. So I mean, like they had, yeah, because you quadruple even, the amount of money on day to you know to, to hire an effects crew. And you even see like the the uh, progression of the the kills in yeah, like Day of the Dead has some of the best zombie kills. You yeah. know, we already you know best you, people kills. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like but zombies, the zombies too, like that, the shovel through the mouth. That that's was a, a good great. One, that's right. a great scene. And there's um when they rip the guy's face off, they yeah. grab him like a bowling ball yeah. and just rip. The if you thing. ever get a chance, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Savini's put it online. I think it's still online. It's about it's about eight hours of behind the scenes footage of Day of the Dead. That's that cool. scene where they they the head rolls. They must have done that a hundred times because it had to roll a certain way and it kept rolling off camera. Then it w- it wouldn't stop like where it was supposed to, so they couldn't see it anymore. It's got it's kind of interesting to watch this stuff. It can get tedious, but you're like. It took them this much to get that one shot that they eventually just use. It's just it incredible. sounds like a, a Kubrick thing. Yeah. Well, it was just more so it just, just getting it, it just right. Wasn't working right. Yeah. Instead of like having it roll yeah. off to the left. Right. Right. Um. Have you guys got uh, something you'd like to add? I'm sorry. I feel like I'm taking ashes? over here. 
Well, that's oh. part of the reason why we brought you on. Oh, okay. No, um, I love how his progression, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, makeup-wise and stuff, there's an evolution. But there's also an evolution in regards to how smart the zombies are. Right. Like, and um, so when you start out, uh, uh, obviously, like... Night of the Living Dead, they're just kind of like brainless, like ghouls. You right. Know, just, just they do use weapons to, in that one. There was the destroy. girl, who, yeah, you know, kills her mom. Right, but they're just yeah, they're the just trowel. looking to like destroy pretty right, much everything. Pretty much. Oh yeah. Um, in Dawn of the Dead, the zombies develop memories. Um, in Day of the Dead, they exhibited learned behavior. Aka Bub, right. um, who is a fantastic zombie, I love Bub. Um, and in Land of the Dead, they actually begin to. Like form communities and work together. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy the fact that Romero almost made these zombies mimic actual human like behavior. Almost, right. you know what I mean? Like, like these zombies, cavemen. I mean, we knew. Yeah, it's like we knew these zombies were human at one point, but you know, it was a um, clear uh, difference between this is a zombie and this is a human and. Despite, you know, take the aesthetics off, you know, the fact that zombies are rotting corpses and they're all right. disheveled and whatnot, they were starting to exhibit like human characteristics. And I thought that was just so brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. The you ability to, to access their memories and then like all the experiments that were done in, uh, in Day of the Dead, like. How the guy's showing is like, look, this one's just a brain and eyeballs, but it still wants to eat. This one has no stomach, but all it wants to do is eat. Right. Like it's driven by that desire. Right, and you got to learn how to feed it so it do- it becomes like a, almost like almost like taming a wild dog. Yes, you know, you got to try to figure out a way to get it to not want to eat you, but eat something else. You know, and um, one of my f- it's, it has nothing to do with Romero essentially, but one of my favorite lines in the Walking Dead show was, I guess there's a reason. The dead didn't come back to life and raid our cupboards when they tried to give the zombie in the well the ham and it doesn't go after it. Because um, it was just like that was what, what a lot of people were wondering. Why do they eat flesh? And I, 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 I want to say at the time it was just because it was shocking. And it was yeah. just like, like let's, you know, what can we, like just killing them isn't enough. Let's have them eat them too. Cannibalism is really going to yeah. put people over the edge. And I, I really believe that was it. And one of the interesting things I always found in the Romero Dead movies and or it, just in zombie films in general is, you know, the zombie bite is considered that's it, you're a goner, you've been bitten by a zombie. But I don't think that was the original intent. I think the only reason that little girl died from a zombie bite is she was bitten by a dead thing. We have millions of bits of bacteria in our mouth when we're alive. Our body fights that bacteria, but when we're dead, our body stops fighting it. If you got bitten by a dead thing, the infection that would cause would kill you. And the recently dead were returning to life. I think if she was treated, she wouldn't have died. But because they had to go to an isolated farmhouse and essentially wrapped her up with a dirty bandage, she died from... she succumbed from an infection. Well, there's also, you know, a, a precedent for passing, passing the, you know, like rabies or, uh, right. uh, you know, the Black Plague being spread through, you know, animal bites and flea bites, right. you know. So, I mean, there's a precedent for that. But, I mean, I can understand what you're saying. And then, you know, you have, uh, you know, kind of like an explanation in, in uh, Return of the Living Dead when, you know, Obana decided... That the reason that they eat brains is to ease the pain of, of being dead. Being dead. Yeah, because I mean, you think about it; like, these these creatures are uh, there's for the most part they're sentient beings. Like they have consciousness, they have uh, base desires, but a lot of them have these catastrophic wounds. Yeah, and even the ones that don't like. You know, like in uh, the 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 Savini remake, when they show the guy who's got the autopsy scar, mm-hmm. right? Like 
that's got to be painful. Yeah, I would imagine. My, my my assumption with any of the Romero zombies, and and not because anybody's ever said so, but I just feel like they don't they don't feel anything. I think that was very much a return of the living dead thing. I think he was just trying to put a rhyme, again, trying to separate it as much as possible Mm -hmm. and putting a rhyme to the reason. Romero really never said why they did it. And even when they're getting shot, if they're not getting shot in the head, they don't really react to it. You know, they're just kind of like the bullet's hitting them, but their body's moving. That's because the body is reacting to a bullet hitting it, but they're not like, oh my God. Like they're not, they're not crouching over in pain. They're just like Mm -hmm. dancing all over the place when a machine gun's hitting them. Also, oh, I was just going to say also, there's the reason. They, they they in in like return, they give you a, a an absolute reason as to why this is going on. Yeah, you know, and we all know why why it happened. Yeah, you know, because of the canister in this in the uh, in the basement. In was that, and because I, they burned the body, and the, because they burned the body. Yes, um, want to get technical. Well, that and it mixed with the rain and seeped yeah. into yeah. the ground. We're gonna get but more the ga- but the gas sprayed them in the face, so they were gone as regardless. Yeah. Uh, but in Romero's version, uh, Romero's vision, rather, uh, in Night, you know, it was just alluded to the fact that it was the Venus probe that was carrying a high radiation that exploded that yep. that, yeah. that that caused it. It was just alluded to. It was never really fully proven. And I really wish that uh, Romero kind of tackled this a little bit more. Uh, maybe skip over Dawn. Maybe hit day. Maybe this is what was supposed to be in day if he had the money that he was supposed to have to make the film. Mm-hmm. To, you know, get NASA involved and find out, you know, is this the reason why that we have zombies running around all over the place now? Do you know he actually answered that question, though? Did he? He, he gave a reason for it. I oh, don't yeah. know when he was interviewed, um, but he did explain why it was happening. See, I, I was I was gonna. You're it, not gonna tell me. <laughs> Patrick, Patrick gonna, started talking, so you're gonna have okay. to Google that shit. Well, <laughs> right. it actually like what you said built on what he was talking about. What I was gonna say built on what you said. Like I actually prefer this. Uh, so you don't want to know? Well, no, I'd like to okay. know. I'm just saying, like you see these movies where like they go like um, uh, I Am Legend. You know, he doesn't do it in the book, but in the in the in the movie, they're like, "Yeah, this was a cure for cancer. This is what happened." And twenty eight days later, it's like, "Yeah, it's this rage infected monkey." And you know, right. they they go out of their way telling you like, "This is what caused this," right. as opposed to uh, in this, like you don't know, right. and maybe somebody was close to getting the answer, but you know, the outbreak just occurred, and there's no way to. I mean, I think modern audiences today need to know whereas before they, they, they really didn't it just was happening and that's all there was to it and I think that's kind of the point of Day of the Dead at that point if they find out what caused it okay big deal it's the world's it's too gone late. it's yeah. too late at this point so why, what's the point of all this yeah, um, they, they took the film out of Philadelphia and put, or Pittsburgh rather and put it in Florida yeah yeah, yeah they had to, set up, had to take place in Florida um, so Romero was interviewed and he said that um, the answer has been in our faces the entire time and nobody's ever really caught on to it, but um, hell is too full. It's a biblical punishment, and that's what he's run with. For, for, and it's, a, it's, it's a punishment of some kind, whether it's biblical or not, but um, he said the tagline of Dawn of the Dead, that's exactly why the dead are coming to life. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. And he said, that's, that's the reason I've always run with, and that's what I'm 
singing to you. So that okay. sounds logical to me. There you That's go. Fair. No radiation, no science. Just and, that, and again, I think that even further is the point of them trying to figure the science. Science is trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. It really was pointless because they were never going to figure it out. Right, because they're um, not going to look at a religious yeah. thing. But John knew. John figured it out. But I, I like the I like the uh, you know the monster you can't see as opposed to you know what I mean like the oh yeah no yeah I get thing. it yeah because once you once you reveal. Uh, what it is it's like because what you're imagining like i'm gonna imagine something different than you're gonna imagine different from something right that everybody Nicole's has their imagine. theories yeah but once you give a face to it like you know freddy krueger okay this is the scariest thing you're gonna see it's like well i don't think so somebody else might but i don't think so right you know and where you know there's like well what could this possibly be and it's like for that to be like the answer i mean that's that's interesting. Like, right. I think that's that's kind of cool. But I prefer when they don't go out of their way saying, "Hey, this is what happened." Right. He never really, and again, he never did that specifically. He had to. I I, I wish I knew when he was interviewed, but I saw it recently, obviously, because everybody was posting stuff, and um, and it's just like you know, he never said it in the movies. Well, actually, they do say it in Dawn of the Dead. It's pretty out there, but nobody ever really like ran with it. They just kind of figured it was some guy talking and. You know, and that's it. Um, that I've seen or talked to, anyways. Everyone's had their theories and t- discussed it in depth and tried to analyze it. And then you just sit there and go, "We're talking about zombie movies." You know, it's you're adding science to the mix. It's already not scientific. You're scientific if the dead are run, you're walking around. You've already broken that barrier. So let's just run with it and just say that it's it is what it is, and that's the whole situation. But. Um, Ashes is dying to say something. Well, no, I was just going to say, I kind of wish he hadn't said anything at all. I kind of think, wish that he had just kind of left it unknown because what greater fear is there than fear of the unknown? Like, why is this happening? Why is is this, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like um, with The Walking Dead, for example, you have no idea why the zombie outbreak is is happening. Yeah. You can theorize, but you really don't have a concrete answer. And I think that just kind of adds to the whole overall, like, fear aspect the horror right. aspect of the of the show is you know you know that if you die you're going to come back a zombie but you have no idea why there's right. something in the air you don't know mm-hmm. what caused it right. you don't you, you have no idea could be viral and i think you know biblical. i just, could the, be a sumatran rat monkey <laughs> right yes patrick yes um <laughs> she's never seen that movie oh we gotta fix what that movie? Yeah. Dead, dead alive, alive. That's that's no, that. I we, haven't seen that yet. We have but, to get around to getting you that, watch that one's a lot of fun. They did they did throw a, uh when we watched I I mentioned that to you when they did um Peter Jackson did the King Kong remake mm-hmm. on the boat they had a box that said Sumatran Rat Monkey. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I caught and that. I, I brought that up to her and I was like, Oh, that's from the beginning, you know. Yeah. I know that um giving a rhyme or reason to some things can kind of you know, deter it for some people or maybe even water it down for them. But I, I you know what? That's his rhyme or reason. You can still theorize about uh, you know that's bullshit. Like, exactly. You know, You're you can, free you to can, make your own. Yeah, you can you can you can kind of go come to your own conclusions. I mean, like, I mean, I I, I love, Romero is the reason I became a horror fan. It's the reason I know you guys. It's the reason I know majority of the people that are in my life. I've had some great experiences at conventions, at screenings, and it's all horror related. It all stems back to George Romero. I love the guy, but honestly, I think a lot of the biggest achievements in his career were done almost accidentally. 
you know, the zombie thing, again, like they weren't intending that. The racial implications in Night of the Living Dead, they weren't intending for that to be a thing. It's just that Dwayne Jones was the best actor of all the people they knew that was yeah. willing to work for free. And he just happened to be black. They didn't change the script. And he was the one going, I'm going to slug a white woman. Do you have any idea what this is going to do? <laughs> right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, he was the one that was like, this is going to, like, I'm going to get my ass shot when this movie's <laughs> over. You know, and the night they were delivering the negative to the distributor was the night that Martin Luther King was shot. So they heard that on the radio as they were dropping it off in New York, and they were like, we've got a movie in the back of our trunk where a black dude gets shot at the end, and Martin Luther King was just shot holy fuck are we either in trouble or do we have probably the biggest movie that's you know of the year in, yeah, our, in the back of our trunk that's right smack dab in the middle of the exactly. civil rights yeah, yeah exactly so there was it, it, I think then it kind of dawned on them and even with like Dawn of the Dead there were some things I think that were accidental and not to say that he didn't intend for a lot of it to be there I think he did because he was a, a you know I mean Night of the Living Dead can you can trace that back to not just horror filmmaking but independent filmmaking in general he proved you can make a successful movie out of Hollywood. And if you had friends and you had people who knew what they were doing, you could make a movie anywhere. At that, before that movie, it was Hollywood, Hollywood, Hollywood. I mean, even someone like Ed Wood, he worked in Hollywood. He was a low budget filmmaker who made crap movies that didn't do anything for anybody, but he made them in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Nobody was really coming out of that and putting up their own money. I mean, movies like Texas Chainsaw wouldn't exist today. Halloween probably wouldn't exist today. You know, I mean, any successful independent movie or even non-successful probably wouldn't exist. I think there were more people that saw that movie and went, well, he did it, so so can I. And that's how we ended up with someone like Steven Spielberg, even to a certain extent, you know, who may have done little independent movies as a result of Night of the Limited. I don't know. He's never cited George Romero as an influence, but it's possible. Everybody saw that movie at a drive-in at some point, and most of the filmmakers we idolize and, you know, have made classic films grew up in that era. Right. You know, seeing those movies. So, it's amazing. You know, and looking back at his career and just looking, I think people didn't realize how much of an impact he just had on filmmaking in general. Not just horror, but filmmaking overall until he was gone. And it's it's funny where, like, some of the things that he's done, like... You know, like little cameos here and there, like in Silence of the Lambs. You yeah. Know, that that little, like, he's it's just like a throw. He doesn't have any lines. I mean, he does look directly at the camera at one point. But right. He's got a cameo in... Um, oh, in uh, Joe Ur- No, George not Joe Ur- George Merrill. Oh, he's, oh, he's got, oh. He's got a cameo in, I think, all of his dead movies, too. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm thinking of... Uh, jo- I think we're, his name is Joe Early. We're discussing George Romero. Yeah. I know who you're thinking of, but we're not discussing that person. Okay. Where did that name come from? <laughs> no, he was in Dawn. No, we're talking about George Merrill yeah, being like in Silence Romero, of the Lambs. like, doing okay. random little things. Yeah. Like, like, you don't know, and they, they weren't like, hey, look, don't forget we have George Romero here. Right. Like, they didn't, like... You I, I want to I play a game with everybody. I want to play Spot the Romero in his movies because there's some, <laughs> there's one you guys would never you would never spot it because it's 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 just so it's like his feet and his scarf. You don't even see his top half. And but there's like in Dawn of the Dead, he's the newscaster, and, mm-hmm. Di- and uh, yeah. in our Night of the Limited, he's a newscaster. Yep. I haven't found him in, Di- in Land yet, but I know in Diary he's the police chief, and I'm not sure if he ever got a, a role in Survival. I've only well, seen that movie the one time. So. It's it's funny. There's um, I feel like a terrible human being. I've only seen one of his movies once. In Land of the Dead, the uh, the whole um, Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright cameo. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. awesome. Great. Like one of my favorite. And things they're on the was, poster. 
they yeah, and they're on the DVD cover. Yeah, like mm-hmm. they started the rumor that they were going to be they're like, let's just say that we're going to be in it. So finally, someone asked him like, is it true that Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright are going to be in a movie? He's like, uh, sure, okay, yeah, right. I Why guess. Yeah. And then they're they're in the uh, if you've seen the movie, they're in the uh, take your picture with a zombie. Booth. Right, yep. 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 they're the yep. two zombies that are standing side by side. And it, it, to tell you the truth, it really didn't look like Simon Pegg needed that much work. He no. and in um he and, looked like kind of like Bub though. Well, that's in the a way thing. he did. Yeah, he he really likes Bub. And in Shaun of the Dead, like if you watch it with the zombo meter, yeah, he's, he does the he's doing an impression of Bub. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. one of my uh, one of my favorite movies because there's so many like nods nods to yeah. er, like the restaurant where he tries to book the reservation is called Full Cheese. Full Cheese. Yeah, right. there's a lot of stuff that, that I. Shaun of the Dead for me doesn't get enough. I mean, I, I feel like it gets a lot of credit, but it doesn't get enough credit because it was a it was a movie that nodded to the horror fans, but you didn't need to be a horror fan to understand it. Right. I know on Trick or Treat Radio they reviewed the Dead Hate the Living, which was essentially a horror nerd's <laughs> orgasm come to life, and it referenced every fucking movie it could possibly reference. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't know what those movies were, you did you weren't in on the joke. You weren't in right. on the punchline. Shaun of the Dead did it and you didn't need to be in on the punchline to right, get it. Like, it was either still relevant or still funny. Like we're coming to get you, Barbara. People in the theater laughed at that, but I don't think they realized why it was funny to people like right. us. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh well, you know, it's the way he said it. No, it's because it's fucking from Night of the Living Dead. Right. Or they uh like there's there's little things that I didn't notice like the first couple of times I watched it and watching it with the the zombo meter on like you know when he's going across the street to get uh, the cornetto yeah and you hear the radio talk about like a satellite crashing to earth right you know, know. and that right next to the convenience store is Bub's Pizza yep. oh god I love Bub and uh, <laughs> you know at I the wish end, Bub had a pizza joint I'd go there every week at the very end when they're talking about like. Oh, some people are saying that the infection was caused by rage-infected rage monkeys, infected but man. that was dismissed as bullshit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I love that. I love the fact that it's, it's great. They're nice little nods, mm-hmm. but without hammering you over the head. Right, it. it's not so heavy-handed. It's it, it's it, they're, they're very subtle. There's a lot of them, but they're all really, really subtle, and it, it right. doesn't, like you said, it doesn't. Do you know why that movie? You. Do you know why that movie made it to theaters though? Does anybody here know why that made it to theaters? No. Because yeah. Dawn of the Dead was so successful. That oh, movie, I thought you that, were, there was like some inside no, story. No, yeah. no, because the remake of Dawn of the Dead was a surprise hit for everybody. That movie knocked Passion of the Christ off the number one spot. Yeah, because they weren't going to call coming. it Shaun of the Dead. There was going to um, be something else. And then it was already out in England. Because I, I remember because I have the DVD. It had been out for like a year at that point, And they put it in theaters in the U.S. because Dawn had made money. Yeah, we talked about it a couple episodes ago. Yeah, about, we covered Shaun. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, I, I love that movie. So I just, much. but I, I just think it's amazing that I mean, it wasn't Romero directly, but a, a, a version of his work is what got one of probably one of the best zombie films of the last ten years in theaters. It was a limited release, granted, but it still got it out. I still got to see that in the theater, which I was like, I own That's this awesome. shit already, but I'm going to go to the theater to go see it. I would go to if they yeah. release that again. I would love to see that. In the I, I saw that in the theater, and I, yeah. t- I'll tell you, I loved every second of it. You know how many times I saw Dawn of the Dead in the theater? It's actually kind of sad. Like sixty. 14. 25. 14. I was close. 14 times. I, I, have saw, all, I saw it once. I have all my tickets. I saw it four times in one day. Whoa. Because oh. it was like I saw on my birthday. We had a half day at school. I had just turned 17, I think. Yeah, I was 17. And it came out, and my friend picked me up at school. We saw the first showing, and I immediately went out and bought another ticket. And he's like, you're going to see it again? I was like, you're not. 
What's wrong with you? And then after that was over, it was a Friday night, so all my friends were at the mall at that point. So I was like, dude, you're going to see Dawn of the Dead. I'm like, okay, we'll go. I'll go too. Like, it was my birthday, so I had, I had fucking 17. I had 100 bucks in my pocket. I was like, nice. I'll just keep buying tickets to this the movie. movies weren't that expensive at that no, point. No, they weren't. And then I and the last showing, because the mall was closing, everybody went to go see it. So that movie, and like every time it was a, it just got better and better and better. And um, I, I adored that that movie probably a lot more than I should, but I do. A lot of people don't care for it. Now, did any of you, have any of you guys ever seen Document of the Dead? No. I just got that on Blu-ray. I saw it ages ago, like when yep. that Dawn of the Dead set came out. I saw mm-hmm. it then. Yeah, yeah, great. It's a, it's a, a, a making of documentary oh, during God. the making of Dawn. So yeah. this, this came, and it was finalized in like 1988. So this movie, this uh, documentary... Uh, directed by Roy Frumkus, uh, took ten years to complete. And he covers day too, right? No, no, no. he covers he. Uh, the, the newer one doesn't it add when day Synapse, doesn't even get touched. I don't synapse put it on Blu-ray and they added like bits to it. Was it survival and something? Oh, I don't know. Some of the movies know. got added to like the ta- the tail end of it. Or oh, I don't know. Making, but I don't know because I have two copies of it uh, on the uh, the ultimate edition of Dawn. Yeah. And I also have it on Japanese import Laserdisc. Yeah, get so see, pick up the blue. The Blu-ray is almost gone, by the way. Is it? Incidentally, if you're on the fence about that Blu-ray, for anybody listening, get it now. I know the guys who run Synapse Films; they're completely sold out. So wherever it is now is where it's going to be. And once those are gone, they're gone. Oh shit! It was limited probably... to like fifteen hundred copies, and of course, since he died, everyone's buying it like yeah. you know, like it's going out of style. But um, which it is? <laughs> but it's it's a fantastic, fantastic look at the making of this movie. And uh, you see George in the in, you know in the in the uh, print room, and he's he's editing, and he's you know clamping down on the film, and he's smoking yeah, old his school. cigarettes, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, real old school shit. And, and uh, they said you when see, he edited, he would just hang film strips, and he would just grab yeah. them like a madman and just start pulling them down and yeah. putting them together. Yeah, it, it was insane. It's it's so good. It's such a good. Uh, such a good documentary on on one of the best horror films ever made. It, it must be seen. It's it's like seventy five minutes long, eighty minutes long. Something if like you get that. the Blu Ray, I think that version is sixteen. Longer. It's sixteen bucks on Amazon, and there's now one less copy than there was. Bought it? <laughs> yeah. You fuck. Is it in stock though? It says it's in stock. Usually ships one to three weeks. You're not getting it. I, pr- I, I love you, dude, but if, when Amazon says that and something's sold up by the distributor, you're going to get an email in a couple of weeks. Sorry, we can't get this. Please visit our... Th- you know what? I think the third-party sellers is like 22 bucks. You'd be probably be better off buying it through them um, now. You know, I got it on the Ultimate Edition. I don't need it anymore. Um, you know that Ultimate... Ed- I won that Ultimate Edition at Rock and Shock at the Anchor Bay booth. Oh, yeah? Nice. Do you know how I won that? I can only imagine. I, had, I, I did the thriller dance. They had a dance off, and I did the entire <laughs> thing, and they wouldn't let me stop. They made me do the entire thing. And I'm like, there's, pe- I'm like, I'm like, there's people walking around. Like, I'm gonna bump into every motherfucker that walks by me right now. <laughs> Could you just like let, give me the fucking set? Yeah, I did the entire thing, and everybody was clapping. And Stacy uh, was there. Um, Brian Pollen. Yeah. Yeah, uh, she was there, and she was. She they all pointed to me when they're like, "Oh, who do you think won?" It's like, well, obviously that dude did a fucking minute and a half dance routine for you. Like, give it to him. And I was, I was actually, I didn't open it till years later, and I didn't realize it had been crushed. Oh, so I was like, oh man, because I already had it, and I was like, I just wanted to, you know, see if I could win it, and I did. And then I, I, I gave the other one away. I was like, I'll open this one and watch. I'm like, oh my god, it's crushed. But luckily, it was still in print, so I bought another one. And yeah. sixteen bucks later, I had one that wasn't crushed. There you go. Still have it. All That's right. my ultimate edition. Sorry. 
You have something else? Well, so before we were recording, when we were outside, Monster Zero started telling the story about this book. <laughs> and I really want to know how it ends. So oh if you wouldn't mind. Goodness. Sure. Yay, well, story time. <laughs> well, um, you were worried about I that. used to have projecting her voice. Shit. <laughs> 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 She's got two microphones pouring her way. When we're not <laughs> Hey now. <laughs> I used to I used to have a copy of this book. Uh, it was uh, written by Paul Argagne uh, called "The Zombies That Ate Pittsburgh," and uh, there were two different versions. There was a soft cover version, and there was a hard cover version. And the hard cover version was only three hundred and fifty uh, units, numbered and signed by Paul Argagne and by George Romero. Well. Uh, I was able to get a hold of a copy, uh, numbered. I had number 89, and uh, I brought it with me to Rock and Shock when George Romero was making his uh, his grand appearance there, and uh, I just brought it with me just for the, the, the intention of showing him. And uh, I, I wait for a little while. There's George. George, I'm a big fan. I, I love all your work, blah, 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 this, that, and the other thing. And I also have this book here that I wanted to show you. He goes, oh, wow. I haven't seen one of those in a long time. I can't believe you actually own a copy of this. And he's, he, he, I gave it to him. You know, he's leafing through it and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I signed that. Yeah. And uh, then he asks me, would you like me to sign it for you? And... That was not my intention, and I said, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> you know, because no matter what, you just don't say no to George Romero. I mean, he asks you something, you do it, right? And um, so, without even thinking, I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So he says, "You know," and he signed it for free too. And he goes, "All right, what's your name, Richard?" All right, boom. I'm just going to sign a dick. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Big penis on it. (laughs) Too bad he didn't draw a big penis on the book. That would have been funny. Well, anyway, he he signs it, Stay Scared, George Romero, and, you know, with my name on it. And about maybe five minutes after I left, I got to thinking, I'm like, what the fuck did I just do? I just not. I mean, as awesome as it is to have George Romero sign the book and personalize it, you know, uh, the value of this book plummeted yeah. within ten seconds. Uh, because uh, later on in time, uh, a couple about four or five years ago, I had to sell off the book, and uh, I wish I didn't have to. And looking back, I really wish I didn't. But I was able to. I sold off the book, and uh, I was able to get four hundred dollars for it, and uh, that was because of the personalized signature that George wrote in into the book. Uh, had it not been signed, I probably could have gotten double for that. But four hundred dollars for that book, yeah. You know, I mean. What are you going to do? But but still, I mean, I still have other autographs by George Romero, and um, I so. I, it's still a, it's it, if you ever get a chance to see read this book, it's phenomenal. I hope they put it back in print at some point. I really do too, and if they do, I want to pick it up. Yeah, 
soft cover. I don't did, care. Did anybody besides uh, Rich and I ever get to meet George Romero? We were there uh, that year, but it just I I saw him in passing and waved at him, and he waved back. He was very nice, sure but I didn't have the opportunity to. Like the it lines just, were just so incredibly long. Yeah. Wasn't that well? That was his year? first time. That was his first time at Rock and Chuck because he was supposed to be there the year before, but then he had to bow out. I guess he wasn't feeling well, or he had a prior engagement. So well, he was there last year. Was it, he was there last year, right? Was it the year before? No. I think it was the year before. Was it? Because I'm thinking, I'm for whatever reason, yeah, I was, was thinking it was right. the year with uh, Robert Englund. Mm-hmm. I think it was because I just remember why I remember getting, they were. I just remember why they getting excited about her George Romero doll lines just <laughs> like forever. We're yes. like we were looking yeah. at it. We're like, yeah, there's no way we're getting over there. I um, I met him three times. I want to say, and one time was at Newbury Comics in Boston. Survival of the Dead wasn't out yet, and he was promoting it. And I found out the night of, and I wasn't driving. So I had to drag a friend to come along with me, and I was nervous as fuck because I was like, "I'm meeting fair, you know, this dude." <laughs> and the second time I met him, um, Laurie Cardell, who I would met the year before at Rock and Shock, introduced us, and she introduced me as my friend Chris. So I think he thought like I was like a longtime friend. So he was he was friendly anyways, but he was super chatty. He signed my Day of the Dead VHS for free. I remember I had him sign it in red, and the cover's blue. He's like, where the hell are you going to see red on this? I was like, sign either blue and white. He goes, oh, yeah, that would work. You know, and and <laughs> you know, because he was going to sign it in silver. I'm like, everybody else signed it in silver. you got to stick out. Like, your signature has to stick out. You're the guy who made it. And I never, up to that point, I never got to tell him, you know, what Day of the Dead was to me and what the movie meant to me. And... um the last time I met him was at a screening of Day of the Dead in L.A. They, they were celebrating the release of the soundtrack. Waxware Records put a screening together. It was a free screening. Anybody could go. And of course, it immediately sold out. Yeah. But I somehow managed to get three seats. I think because I, I was doing a, my podcast at the time, and I contacted them. Like, oh, we're, we want to pr- promote the event. We want to go. So they, they, gave, they comped us three tickets or reserved seats for us. That's sweet. And um, at the end of it, they had everybody... I mean, it wasn't just George and Mayer. Like, um, Greg Nicotero was there. Um, Howard Sherman was there. A couple of the people played zombies. John Harrison was there. There were people yeah, like, from the, like, really, uh, Yeah, Joe Pilato was there. Actually, Joe Pilato saw me outside. He's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And I'm like, well, hi to you, too. He goes, well, don't you live in Massachusetts? And I was like, yes, but like, I'm right now I'm living in California. And How the hell do you remember that? The last time I saw you was like in 2004. He goes, bitch, I got a memory like a steel trap. I said, apparently. He didn't say bitch, but I'm, 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 I'm improvising. I'm improving. So, um, so at the end of the screening, they were going to have everybody line up to do autographs and everything like that. So I was like, I don't want to bother anybody to get something signed. I'm just going to go say hi. And I went down and I said hi to him. And, I, and he kind of had the same reaction. Like, what are you doing here? Like, you don't you live in Massachusetts? And I'm like, what the hell? Do I have a sign on? Why does everybody know I'm from Massachusetts? Jeez, I, I guess I left an impression. So, um, <laughs> so you know, we were standing up That's there awesome. talking about Night of the Living Dead. And I, had, uh, I know the guys at Synapse. And they really wanted to put it out. And I said, you know, could you, could you get in touch with these guys? Because they really want to do this. And I think they would do it right. This is before the 4K restoration was even a thing. And... Um, so he's like, yeah, yeah, give me their number. I'll call them, whatever. And I'll have Jack call them. That's John Russo. So I said, okay, cool. So then I stopped and I said, you know what? I have to tell you something. I said, can I take like five minutes of your time? And he goes, no, not at all. And I finally spilled my Day of the Dead That's so cool. speech about what that movie did for me. And with tears in my eyes, because I was getting emotional, because I was like, I wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for you and it wasn't for your movie. And every time someone would come over, he would do this. He would like wave them off. Like, hold on a second. Like, I can't. You know, I, I, I have to let this guy finish. 
And then I said to him at the end of it, and I just wanted to say, after all that, thank you. And he looks at me, and he looks me square in the eye, and he says, and I thank you. And that was it. And then I said, to, and he said, do you have something for me to sign? I said, Not, no, I don't. I didn't bring anything. He goes, the next time I see you, it's on me. And I, and that's, and I never saw him. I never got to talk to him again. And I really wish I had gotten an opportunity to see him at Rock and Shock again, because I think it would have been a much different experience meeting yeah. him that time. But again, his line was so long. And at that point, I think he was charging $75 for an autograph. And I wasn't about to be the person in line that didn't put money on the table when everyone behind me is paying 70, yeah. 75 bucks. So I was like, I'll wait till the next time or, you know, a Sunday when he's got nobody around and wow. here we are. But wow. I have, I have several things signed by him. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's funny. Like you, you, you tell that story and I had a, a similar thing because, you know, not with Romero, but because Thriller was such a, a huge part. Like we used to right, rent, you told me about that, yeah. we used to rent, you know, the making of Thriller, like the video, like every friggin like every weekend almost. I wore that shit out by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We did. We we the my, my got to the point. Where my mother bought a backup copy, <laughs> and I got to have like a similar moment like with you with John Landis. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. Yeah. So it was it was pretty goddamn awesome because like I, I said to him, I was like, "What do I ask this guy?" And I said, "Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but." Is that you sitting in the front row of the movie theater with you know when they're watching the movie and like Michael Jackson hands you the popcorn and he goes, "You're wrong," <laughs> you know, But I told I told him all about it. He's like, "Oh, that's great." He's like, "Oh, have some candy." And like he was yeah. just a real nice guy. And of course, I didn't have the making of Thriller to sign. I know, I know. So I, he signed Animal House, which isn't <laughs> quite the same. <laughs> it's still something. You can bring the making of Thriller next time he comes around. Yeah, and like, I can. Yeah. I I had the conversation with him. Like yeah. that was the important part. Like it's, I I it, had to talk to him. It's amazing to me when you look back at some filmmakers because you know when I when I found out George Romero died, I was out with my family and my whole demeanor and attitude changed immediately. Like we were out having a good time. I mean, I had a shitty week to begin with, you know. But my you know I had just gotten back home from a trip that wasn't very good and I was happy to be home and everything was going somewhat well. And then I'm sitting on out you know, getting ready to eat food, and my friend texts me, is this for real? And it was George Amaro's passed away. And you shot me that message. Yeah, I, I copied it to everybody I knew. And I'm like, I was like, I'm any, trying to find a way to debunk Is anybody else this? reading this in, or anywhere else besides this website? I mean, I know it's the LA Times. They're pretty reputable, but maybe somebody somewhere screwed up. And then once I found out it was true, it was like, it was like for a second, and it sounds so dramatic, but it's the truth, my world kind of came crashing down again. Because you get to think about the the impact that somebody who's a filmmaker or a musician, whatever, has on your life and what they did for, you know, what you feel like they did for you. And then you realize there's so many things in your life that wouldn't be what they are today if it wasn't for mm-hmm. this person. And then it's like a family member has passed away. But then people start to ask you, how can this death affect you so much? Because I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for this person. That's how I was when Michael died. Yeah. And it's like if you, if, if your parents raise you to be a good person and they, you know, and they're good people and they die, you mourn them. You mourn people you care about. And we care about these filmmakers. We care about these actors, these, you know, people, people who we let into influence. our lives. Yeah, that we, we let them into our lives as they let them into, you know, mm-hmm. as we go into theirs. And it's just like, it's heartbreaking, especially somebody who was just so warm and welcoming to everybody he met. He never made you feel like you were wasting his time. He never made you feel like that you needed to be rushed away. He was constantly listening and hearing what you had to say, even if he had a couple of drinks in him. Because there was one time, one of the times I met him, he he was a couple, you know, three sheets to the wind, but he still listened. 
and he was just funnier. He was just yeah. like, he was just more like you know ah whatever you know throwing his hands up in the air. And uh, it, honestly, one of the most candid people that we ever had in the industry. I truly believe he wasn't a studio filmmaker because he wasn't a typical filmmaker, no, and he no. didn't like working in the confines of a studio. No, that made him totally uncomfortable. He yeah. loved the independent. Yeah, that's why scene. with the other dead movies he he financed them independently he was like i don't i don't want to work with another universal was great to him but like he's like their cappuccino budget was the cost of my first movie right that doesn't make any sense you know <laughs> yeah. what i mean like why are we paying a, a million dollars for catering mm-hmm. you know we can give everybody bologna and cheese sandwiches and they're good to go for the day like you know what i mean like you don't need to do this to make this movie and you know, he just, I think, I think to a certain degree, he almost felt guilty that like a studio put that much money into something. But I mean, you know, he made the movie the way he yeah. wanted to make it. I, right. I hope it was still, a, I mean, all things considered, it's still the low end of a, of a budget from a major studio. Right. Still, yeah. So. It wasn't huge. And no. And, um, and unfortunately, because of the success of, of, of Dawn of the Dead, I think that killed Land of the Dead because it came out so quickly. And I think everybody just assumed it was a sequel. And when they saw slow moving zombies, they were just like, "Ah, this isn't what we signed up for." Right. So, and they, it just, it just kind of. T- and I also think too, being in the Bush era at that time, it was too in your face. And I think now, many years later, I've watched it recently and been like, "Okay, I, I can appreciate this." But um, at the time, I didn't hate it, but I certainly didn't think much of it. And since we're on that topic, I'm going to break down my trilogy explanation for you because I, I know. We're running out of time. Here. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say. I think we'll do um, the, the. We'll forego our final break. We'll do the the trilogy explanation, okay. and then we'll. Uh, um, and, uh, so, my my trilogy has always been Night, Dawn, and Day, and that's just been been how I, when I grew up, that was. The, 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 I didn't even know they were related. I mean, I wasn't even old enough to read when I was watching half of these movies. Um, so, um, the thing about Land of the Dead is, while I do, I do like it now. Um, the look of the zombies always bothered me. They looked too new. And I know Romero's movies really don't take place in a specific time or a specific um, you know, era, but there was technology that just didn't exist in, in any period in any of his films that existed. And this was being marketed as a sequel to the franchise. So you're kind of like, tracking devices wouldn't be a thing. Flat screen TVs wouldn't be a thing if this truly follows Day of the Dead, which right. in which case the world had ended. So... Um, um, so when Diary and Survival came out, they're separate from the original trilogy. Some people have the notion that Diary takes place the same time as Night, but that doesn't make any sense because they're shooting with high technology that didn't exist in 1968. Exactly. So I always lump them di- uh, Night, Dawn, Day, Diary, Survival, Land. With Land finishing off that franchise because the look of the zombies makes, makes more sense. The, the fact that they're raiding stores... Again, 40 years after the zombie apocalypse took hold, nothing in a store is going to be worth picking up. So you wouldn't be raiding small towns with that. But if it was maybe five years after and things had really gone to shit, that would make more sense. You could still maybe get some canned goods that would work and, you know, and be worth your while. You because know. a lot of the stuff that they were raiding was, like, stuff that's not a set, like booze, cigars... Yeah, but they were still out for like food runs. Like looking, I remember, they looking, grabbed like a box of Pringles or something like looking that. Looking like for medications them. as well, and right. those things would have been grabbed up. Long exactly, ago. and they would have been expired if they hadn't been and completely useless. So I think for me, that's always made more sense. Which is weird considering that, that Diary and Survival didn't exist when he made Land. But that's those are my lumping. Okay, that's, that's, lump that's fair. I mean, that's that makes sense. Like the way you're describing it. So and Derek Brooke, who's a longtime fan of mm-hmm. the show, lumps them as night. Dawn, land, then day. That's his. That's his order. That's interesting too. I could go along with that. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's that's uh, he asked me to bring that up, so I, mm. I, I said I would. No, I could definitely go along with that because Day of the Dead's when it's all shit. Yeah, it's all yeah. completely gone to shit. Everyone is gone. Land is there's still some. Yeah, they still say it's what for, uh, Logan says. What it's four hundred thousand to one. Uh, five, yeah, I think it's five hundred thousand to one. Or is it five hundred thousand? I think so. I'd have to rewatch it. It's been I don't need to. Well, I know you don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's but he won't mind time. if he has to. You know? No, we will be watching it soon. But. Uh, yeah, I think that's gonna. You I was say, no, I was just gonna before we wrap things up. If we wanted to just kind of go around the table, and if anybody <laughs> has anything else that they'd like to add, kind of like a closing statement about you know. Stay what, classy, San Diego. <laughs> no, not that. Oh, not like a sign off. No, not like a sign off. But you know, just kind of like a you know, just a little little tidbit. What Romero meant to you, just kind of like a tie. You're gonna in make there. me cry if I do that. Or you know, just. Um, Wouldn't be the first time somebody's cried on this show. Yeah, yeah. but actually cry because they're upset. No, no. <laughs> hey, wow. I. Hey, no. I'm oh not talking my to you. goodness! We've all we've all done. I've it. never seen that digit come up on Nicole's. <laughs> you don't spend enough time with Nicole. I, unfortunately, I don't. I'm looking to remedy that though. Yeah. She's a feisty little son bitch. Especially when she gets around Kex. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when she's with Kex, no, you don't even know. You should know. You work with my mother. I know. She's I do. feisty. She never comes around though. She's around. So what no, not we, me. She never comes around me. So what? Do, what do we? What do we have for uh, final thoughts? MZ. Mm, well, you can do this one right now. Well, you know, I mean, we we lost a man who revolutionized the the zombie genre into what we know it is today, and uh, you know, it's it's a damn shame. You know, I, I, you know that. That you're, he's going to go at some point during our lifetime, but you never really prepared for it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, hey, you know, if you see uh, if you see Romero chomping on your arm or on your leg, you know, just just let, let him be. You know, it's all good. <laughs> We're going to miss George. Oh yeah, we miss him already. Mm. Um, do you want to say something? Oh, you go ahead. Go ahead oh, first. Hang out loud. Oh, God. Uh, I, I guess all I can say in closing of, of George Romero and his impact is just, again, thank you for everything. I mean, this man was a genius and revolutionized a, 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 not just a genre of film, but again, filmmaking in general. And he gave us so much and so little at the same time. He really only has like 16 movies in his filmography. He doesn't have a ton, but each one of them you know whether they weren't appreciated when they were released or they're appreciated now um really just has an inkling of his genius in every single one of them and even the ones he kind of like felt like he was essentially phoning it in like where he felt like he kind of didn't do a great job still are good movies i don't think he has a bad movie in his entire repertoire or i mean at least anything i consider bad considering what we mostly are exposed to every day in horror movies um so yeah so you know, thank you for everything. And you know, if there's something after this, I hope I run into him again. And uh, I guess I'll close with his, you know, his favorite saying: "Stay scared." Mm. What about you, Nicole? While I don't have the experience like everybody else, thank you, George Romero, for scaring the shit out of me at four years old. Um, you know, I can see the impact that he has a lot on the horror community and. You know, I respect him, and you know, it just makes me want to see his films more now. So we're gonna have to do that. I I know we're gonna have to pop your cherry. 
Well, it was already popped at four from being scared shit. Yeah, but you didn't finish Night of the Living Den. I did, like, ten years later. Oh, okay. Nice <laughs> I missed that part of the story. Yeah, no. Um, but I, I'm i excited to learn more and respect the man more. So that's all I got. Nicole's shutting everything off. She doesn't want it. She wants to have the last word. <laughs> right? There you go. There we go. Sorry, Nicole and I are sharing a microphone right now. Um, you know, being a weirdo is a wonderful thing, and it's always sad when you lose one of your own, especially a very creative one who has a way of touching the hearts of all of the other little weirdos out there. And um, if there was no George Romero, there would be no Shaun of the Dead, and there probably wouldn't be an Ashley and Patrick. Probably. Because That's zombies fair. were one of the first things that we, uh, our, our love for zombies and 80s slasher fl- like flicks were yeah. one of the uh, first things we bonded over online. That and white chocolate macadamia uh, cookies. Nice. That's a story for another day. There'd be no Chris and Kex. Yeah. Yeah. See? Oh, oh. George Romero bringing, bringing people together. But it's, it's true. It's, it's bringing you know, people uh, together by ripping some apart. Exactly. <laughs> Isn't that truly amazing, though? Like, these movies are, these are horror films we're talking about, but yeah. they mean so much to so many people. You really find your tribe. Yeah. And you're just like, wow. This is like, because there are people I meet that are like, how can you watch this disgusting stuff? I'm like, you know, some part of me feels like it's not even about that anymore. It's about the people that I'm connected with that just make it so enjoyable. And it's part of my life now. It's just it's a lifestyle for a lot of us, and it's, it's just, just incredible. One big dysfunctional family. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. So what about you, Patrick? I'm gonna say that um, you know I think that you know you guys pretty much summed it up uh, very well. Like you know, and, and Chris, you mentioned it repeatedly. Like I don't think any of us would be where we are without. You know Romero's contribution not only to you know the zombie genre but horror in general. I mean, and this is a guy who worked with Stephen King. You know, so even if you know, like that was part of the reason why I, I watched uh, you know the Creep Show films. It wasn't because of Romero; it was because of Stephen King. But then, right. because of Romero and because I was introduced to zombie films, it's like, hey, let me start watching some more of this guy's stuff. You know, and then. You know, seeing you know all the the ripoffs and seeing how stuff that I loved, like you know, again the thriller video. I know I've mentioned it a thousand times through the life of this podcast, but you love yeah. what you love, right? And that was directly influenced by 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 Romero's work. So, do you have a favorite Romero zombie movie? You didn't, did, did, did oh, the same as you. Day of the Dead? Day of the Dead. That's right. We talked about that. Yeah. You, Rich, do you have one? Night. Night. She just only seen night, one. Night, and I really love it. <laughs> I wasn't going to. Night by default. <laughs> I've seen Night in Color and Night in Black and White, and well, Night in Black and White is the best way to see yes. it. Wolfie, do you, do you have a favorite Romero movie? Well, it sounds like you guys are mostly talking about the dead films. Uh, Romero zombie it's, movie. It's I just guess Romero. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, Romero, Romero in general. I guess. Okay, sorry. This is a Romero tribute. Yeah, we didn't talk about anything else besides. No, the dead. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's why I wasn't sure. That's why but I'm like, let's just run with it. But okay, we can I, run with something else too. My favorite of the dead films would be Dawn of the Dead, 1978. Poser. Just kidding. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> We've had this discussion, Chris. We're not having it now. No, we won't. Four and a half hours later, we'll still be here. Yeah. 
Uh, but, uh, you know, and, and also creep show because of how fucking amazing and how that, you know, kind of kicked the anthology horror film back into gear, I think. Okay. Yeah, so I think with, uh, with that being said, I think it's time to uh, wrap this up. This has been our, uh, I think this is our longest episode of all time. But I, okay. I definitely want to thank you guys for coming on. As soon as we decided that we were going to do a Romero episode, I said, I got to talk to Chris. I got to talk to MZ. Because A, they haven't been on a show yet. And B, like these are the fucking guys to talk to about zombies. So we appreciate you guys coming down, sharing your knowledge with us. And you're always welcome back. Yes. Thank you. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Oh, thank Which one you. of us sounded sexier saying that? Hmm. Oh, thank you. Buffalo. You can't do it again! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You both have sexy voices in your own sexy way. I don't know. Can we just say it's a tie then? Oh, yes, thank right. you. Okay, you just lost points. Sounds like a see. If you had done it as Larry, fine. Oh, thank you. See, that's, you that's the Estelle Getty coming out in him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Picture it, Sicily, nineteen twenty-two. <laughs> So I think with that being said, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. Uh, join us next week when we cover a uh, a fan-selected a listener appreciation. That's what we fucking call it. Listener appreciation wah, wah, wah. episode uh, suge- suggested by our good friend Dane Under, author of The Curtain in the Corner. Uh, we will be discussing uh, The Terminator, but just through the first two Terminator films. We're not getting into all that crazy fucking... Christian Bale shit. So, we will be discussing the Terminator next week. We'll have an all-new battle. Uh, we don't have any battle results for you because we dropped the fucking ball and never put up the uh, bat. The it's okay for this episode. It's okay. Yeah, we, well, I, think I was too busy celebrating my birthday. Yeah, it was Nicole's birthday. We went out to eat. Uh, we had. Uh, Korean barbecue that day and then just totally forgot about what we were supposed to do. When you discuss the Terminator movies, just act like Terminator 2 had the real ending where, you know, Sarah Connor's older and... And and John's a senator. Yeah. (laughs) It makes it really easy to ignore the rest of the franchise when you run with that. Yeah. So, that's what we'll be doing next week. Uh, So, you know, uh, again, thank you guys for coming on and everybody out there, we will see you next Thursday. Thursday.